Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. So today we're going to talk about being back in the saddle again. Okay. We talked about case management uh, for birth mothers many times over the course of our our podcast. And today uh, I'm going to share some of my experiences because I am back in the saddle again. Uh, (laughs) When we have a turnover, sometimes as some of our staff members or, and I will jump back in and help case manage. One, I think it keeps me fresh and I'm able to be more, um, I think, objective and aware and cognizant of what's going on for the future when I'm not case managing, if I am current in what's going on. In other words, I think that when you are out of the saddle for so long, sometimes you forget little things or you don't have the ability to improve a program or make it better, more efficient. Uh, some things that, you know, people have been saying that this aspect of case management doesn't seem to be flowing right. Or, you know, me getting to go back in and drive the car, if you will, really gives me that ability to go and and change things up. And actually, I have found so far so many things that I'm going to be implementing and changing and restructuring, which that part of working in the agency is probably one of my favorites. Well, absolutely. And you've always been very hands-on. I mean, ever since I've known you, you answer the calls when they come in initially to set up appointments and talk to these girls. You want to be that first point of contact, and you've always been that way. So I think it's good that you are getting your toe back in the water of the case management to just refresh yourself and, and remind yourself how it is on both sides of this. And when I talk with Uh, some of the birth moms and they kind of look at me and kind of laugh and say, you're going to be my case manager. And when I tell them, yeah, absolutely. They're like, well, you're the director, you're the president. And it's, and it's kind of one of those things. And I said, yes, but I'm still a social worker. I'm still here for you. And I'm the one who's been here at the agency the longest. And so I've seen a lot. I can help you. I want you to teach me as much as I can teach you. And in doing so too, there's always, you know, current trends. Um, there's current, you know, right now what the presenting drug of choice is to, you know, if there is 
a popular STD or one on the rise, I'm able to really get in there and, and see for myself what's happening. And that way I can be more helpful when it comes to supervising and overseeing the program as a whole. So I think it's really beneficial. Also, the fact that I you know, am in contact with doctor's offices and the adoption counselor that we use and so forth, I'm able to keep those contacts fresh. And I'm able to, like I said, show people that, you know, not only am I a team leader, but I am a team player and I'm willing to jump in and go the extra mile. Now, this time around with getting back into case managing again, has there been anything that has surprised you that you've been like, oh, either you've forgotten about that you needed a refresher or that, wow, this is completely new. What Has there been any specific thing? I will say that I am seeing the effects of fentanyl very intensely. I'm seeing that as a huge presenting challenge. And it's not just the fact that it is being used by many people. It's the fact that it impedes the ability and the desire to function at a normal pace. You know, things that are we sometimes people take for granted, like, you know, if you get a text message and it says there is your transportation is going to be picking you up in 30 minutes to be able to monitor, you know, the 30 minutes and be ready when your transportation arrives. Sometimes that's not even feasible when you are using fentanyl or when you are sent, you know, that your transportation is arriving. And when you're finished with your appointment, you click the um, link so that they will then send the, the ride to pick you up and take you back to where you're living. And just connecting all of those seems to be wow. really challenging. And I, this is just an observation. This is nothing scientific, but just an observation. So I think when you are working with somebody that is using fentanyl, understand and have empathy in the fact that they, you know, are going to need that extra handholding and those extra reminders and to help them prepare where before you may have taken it for granted. Well, you know, I sent the ride, so obviously they're going to get in and they're going to come. Well, that's not necessarily the case. How do you handle that? Uh, lots of text messages, okay. lots of reminders, gentle phone calls, re-explaining without, you know, being frustrated or annoyed or, because again, I think the key to building a good relationship with a client is really just meeting them where they are. Right. You know, we're there to help them with their adoption plan. We're not there to discuss their drug use and try to create, you know, a rehabilitation plan. We can absolutely refer them out to an entity that does that. But in terms of our goal and our focus is really to assist them in securing their adoption. So I think that that's really important. That's always at the front of my head when I am working with them. Right. So when you're dealing with them, you've got to keep your eye on the ball and remember the end goal and go, okay, all these little side trips here on the sides, I can block those out and just help keep moving forward towards the actual adoption plan. Right. And I think that another thing, you know, that, that I'm, I'm relearning and, and, and evolving in is the fact that our goal is to protect the adoption. It's to make sure that there's nothing that can affect it now or later. And like you said, keeping your eye on the ball and making sure that you are clearing that path 
so that the birth mother is having the best pregnancy that she can have, that she's going to as many doctor's appointments as you can get her to, that she is developing a relationship with the adoptive family, if that's what she chooses, mm-hmm. and that she's just staying focused and she's getting the counseling that she needs and that you're getting her ready for labor and delivery and you're, you know, giving her um, recommendations. You know, one of the, the big recommendations that I have passed on, and again, this is just from my experience, is that the birth mothers who are afraid that they're going to bond with a baby and they're going to have a really hard time with their adoption choice is to see the baby for short increments, but a lot of them. So in other words, maybe have the baby come in the room every two hours for 10 minutes, because when a birth mom comes to me and says, I want to spend every minute I can with the baby, but I'm really afraid I'm going to bond and it's going to be so hard. And I want to make sure I follow through on my adoption plan then giving her tools to help her achieve her goal of spending lots of time with the baby, but yet assisting her and not making it harder on herself. One of the key things would be to decrease the, the length and duration of time spent, mm-hmm. but make sure that they're keeping the frequency up. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. What else yeah. are you uh, kind of implementing as you re-case manage? I have found that the key to staying organized and on top of, of a caseload is without a doubt creating a spreadsheet and making sure that that spreadsheet becomes your go-to. So in other words, I, I work off of a spreadsheet and I am constantly updating it, changing it, adding to it, deleting to it. And what I am going to be doing is as soon as I think it's perfect, which I'm almost there, uh, then and user friendly, then I will be disseminating um, the structure of it to case managers so that they can be using it as well for their cases. And that way you feel like when you can see everything at a glance, uh-huh. you then know, okay, this is where I need to head with this mom. This is what needs to happen with this mom. This is where we are. This is her last appointment. This is her next appointment. She still needs to be scheduled for this. So it's, it, it makes things a lot easier when you can see everything all at once. And that makes a lot of sense. The most organized person I know, she is so organized. My wife, Lisa, she writes down everything, puts a list together, and that organization is vital, and, and she uses that every day. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we definitely tried different type of, you know, spreadsheets in the past and, and, and so forth. But I think that in me being able to, to formulate it and then work off of it uh-huh. and see, you know, cause I, I've added and deleted so many columns that I thought, Oh, I definitely want this in here. And then as I'm working through it, I'm like, Nope, take that out. So it's, it's really bringing me like, I'm able to play with it and then try it out and see uh-huh. what works and what doesn't work. And that's been really, really helpful. I think the other thing that I feel that has been a really great refresher is adoptive families who are in an open adoption. They really want a lot of contact with, with birth mothers. And you have some birth mothers that also want that contact, or at least say they do. But in reality, when it comes time to make that phone call, uh-huh. they struggle. And it's not that they don't want to talk with the adoptive mom and dad, it's really more of a fear thing. They're still afraid of being judged. They're still afraid of saying the wrong thing. They're afraid that they won't be liked. They're afraid that 
you know, there won't be, they won't come across like they're meaning to come across. And they may be at a different education level than the adoptive family. And they're worried that, you know, that may come across or they may use a bad word or they, they don't know how much the adoptive family really understands about their situation. And so they don't. So there's all these factors mm-hmm. that really play a really big role in their concern about connecting. And so they really want to be handheld through that. And so we found that they're definitely more willing, wanting and desiring a phone call if, if we are there helping them. First of all, I want to point out that because we all have fears and your husband, Adam, he, uh, he taught me something a long time ago, and that's basically when you look at the world, you can't look at everything in terms of what could happen or might happen. You almost have to face that fear head on, and then the consequences come one way or another. And most of the time, those things never materialize. And so it really was a big impact on my life because I was like, wow, all these things that I have in my head that, oh, that could happen or this could, most of it's unfounded and never happens anyway. So I'm just kind of immobile. I can't move any direction because of fear. But once you kind of get out of that mindset, you realize it's it's not as vi- is as perilous as it seems, you know? That's funny that you bring that up. And that, that made me think of a, of a funny story that I'll, I'll end today's podcast with. So uh, Adam and I were in Hawaii about two and a half years ago, and we went uh, snorkeling with the sea turtles. Uh-huh. And my husband has a deathly fear, no pun intended, of sharks. I mean, a deathly, deathly fear. <laughs> and it was always my dream to swim with the sea turtles. And so, um, you know, a little peer pressure on my part, little assistance from the kids on peer pressuring him into doing it, but we finally got him to say yes. And so we booked our excursion so we could go and swim with sea turtles. And as we're walking, he would call it the gangplank because at that point, you know what I mean? He feels <laughs> like, like the pirate he's ship, kid. right? <laughs> walking off the ledge. Yep. Uh, we're actually walking onto the boat and I turn around because the captain is behind me and Adam's in front of me. And I said, Hey, they don't, you guys don't ever see sharks because I was kind of hoping for some reassurance and the captain looks at me and he says all the time <laughs> and Adam turns around and his eyes are huge right because this is no joke I mean my husband won't swim in a pool that doesn't have lights on because he's convinced that sharks are going to materialize so right. I mean, he's really afraid and so the the captain says all night and I, so now I'm in damage control thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to get them in the water? So I start saying, yeah, but they don't, they don't bite anybody. I mean, they don't, they don't. And he said, no, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. And so I'm smiling and I said, yeah, and they're probably really little. And he's like, no, not always, you know, and he's, you know, motioning that they, you know, how yeah, big they can be. Pretty sizable, right? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I thought, ooh, okay. So, you know, now I can see he's starting to sweat and. I've got my camera and I'm like, Hey, you know, we're going to take some really cool pictures. And he's just kind of looking at me and I know he's, you know, rewriting his will in his head and, you know, <laughs> thinking, you know, does he need any last goodbyes? So we go out on the boat and I wanted him to jump in the water first because I thought if I jump in, he's not going to get in. So he sits down and he's got his snorkel gear on and his fins and he's sitting there and I can see him looking at the water. And I thought, wow, talk about facing your fears. I was really impressed. Yeah. And 
I thought he's not going to do it because he sat there for a very long time and he looked into the water and he did go in. And he said when he went in, the bubbles all came up. So it was kind of cloudy at first. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it went clear and he could see sea turtles and see, you know, ocean life. Right. And I was so grateful that he didn't see a shark. I will say on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he did face his fear and we had an amazing time. And then after uh, we got back on the boat, I was like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. I can't wait to go again. And he said, no, no, no. (laughs) I did it. I went. But here's another thing about that too. Sometimes when you face your fears like that, the reward is so wonderful and such a new experience that you you know, the reward is well worth the risk. He said it was absolutely amazing and he had an incredible time. He loved it. He just didn't know that he would ever want to do that again. Right. And I understand that, but he faced his fear. I'm proud of him. Yeah, I was too. So I think that's the same thing, you know, with birth moms, when they talk on the phone with adoptive families is sometimes it goes great and they can't wait to do it again. And other times they had a really good conversation and they really liked the adoptive family, but it was, you know, it was okay having the one conversation and they, they got everything they needed out of that conversation and they're ready for the next step. And, and that's labor and delivery. And so I think that we can all learn from, you know, how people handle things. And Uh again, no judgment. So this time around as your case managing, are you finding it just as rewarding as before? Yeah, maybe even more so because it's a whole different style of case management. You know, we're still dealing with COVID. Obviously it's changed and it's, Uh it's gotten better and things have relaxed a little bit, but we're still keeping all of our same precautions in place. So it is a different type of case management and it's just as enjoyable, maybe more so in some aspects because it feels like us, me, the birth moms against COVID, you know? So it's right. kind of like we're on the same team and we're, we're, we're doing this together. So yeah, I, I would say very much so. That's awesome because I'm sure there's people out there who would love to be a case manager and get into this kind of work and now you guys are looking for people at any given time, aren't you? We're always hiring. We're yeah. always hiring. We always think that, you know, a new person can bring so much to our team. We're always expanding and growing. So absolutely. Where do they go to find out more about case management or maybe even getting in with building Arizona families? Uh, they could visit our website. We have an employment opportunities on our website, uh, also on our Facebook as well. And you can submit your resume and contact information right there. We would love to hear from you. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.